0: You guys, welcome to or welcome back to Tuesday Bro Newsday. You know, this show's gone through a lot of iterations over the years and what we do nowadays. And by we, I mean me and my far left co-host fact checker, Danielle Jones over there. What we do nowadays is, uh, you know, we unpack the news as it relates to the world of vaping, tobacco, tobacco control, tobacco harm reduction, smoking, cigarettes, Stanton Glance, I don't know, and the such as. Um, we try to, I try to avoid a lot of really divisive political talk over here. We try to stick to science and vaping because that's what matters. This is not a partisan issue as much as some people want it to be. This is a, a scientific issue, and that's what we're trying to focus on. But uh, welcome, you guys. I have a question for you, though. Is it acceptable to distort the truth to get people to do what you want them to do, ah, in, interesting, interesting question posed that, and many more will be answered uh, today here on Tuesday, Bro Newsday. But thank you guys, appreciate you guys coming out, being here. We're gonna talk, uh, we're gonna talk news, we're gonna talk advocacy, we're gonna talk a little bit of science, we're gonna talk a little bit about like what the hell FDA, like what did the FDA try to get away with, just unreal things but uh luckily that's all turned around but uh welcome you guys i guess we'll just kick this off and jump into some news um addy tooney i see you there appreciate you breeze tones appreciate you matthew appreciate you um i'm gonna have okay, here let's just start let's just jump into tuesday bro news day hi danielle i haven't heard you hi. say the, how are you doing i today? know
1: <laughs> don't want to interrupt your little like intro it's good beginning. i was just
0: I was just speaking how are you doing today good
1: I'm I'm doing well. I'm yeah. doing well. Freshly showered. Yeah, know, feels, feels good.
0: I, Tuesday is shower day for me. Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> it's day for me too. So I love a good. I look forward to the Tuesday shower day. <laughs> <laughs> It's good times. Um, I get one of the the first things I wanted to mention right out of the gate, you guys. Um, uh, Hang on. Don from the chat says, Hey, Nick, could you please start way earlier with your live streams next time? You have a large fan base in Germany and Europe. And fuck, I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm sorry, Don. I'm stuck here in uh, the beautiful United States of America. So that's what replays are for. I appreciate you, Don. And I appreciate you trying to be here during a live stream. You know, I've been considering doing... Uh, like a week or so of alternate timed live streams, just oh specifically to cater to Europe. people in Europe and in the UK and like Australia, where they can't watch live. So it's like I would wake up at seven in the morning and have the vlog going by like eight a.m. Wow. And then I'll just vlog and drink a beer in the morning, you know, just so the UK or UKers can watch live, just so you Germans can watch live. Anyway. <sighs> Appreciate you guys being here, but man, FDA, you know, FDA is, a uh, they, they stick in our craw in our social collective craw, so to speak from the vape industry. They stick in our craw quite a bit, but it isn't just vape companies that are having the FDA stuck into their craw, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuck into their craw, um, they tried to... Here, let me just show you this. Check out this Reason article. So this was the Reason article that kind of started all of this. Right. Um, FDA attempted to charge distilleries and vape shops $14,000 in fees when during COVID they stopped producing whatever liquor and spirits and vape liquid that they were producing and switched to hand sanitizer, right?
1: Right. To help, to
0: help public service They're You know, they're, they're not producing their product. They're producing hand sanitizer for the greater good. You know, they're trying to keep us safe, keep us clean. And then the FDA comes up to these companies that were doing this and said, by the way, you owe us $14,000. Yep. That's kind of unbelievable. I mean yeah. that's more than unbelievable. Fourteen thousand dollars. That's like thank you. Also, you owe us fourteen thousand dollars. I appreciate you trying to keep United States citizens safe and mm-hmm. clean and sanitized. And I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your what you'd normally be doing to produce hand sanitizer for the country. Now you owe us fourteen thousand dollars. That yeah, is and bananas. It's crazy.
1: And most of these companies, from what I understand, were either like some of them were giving away the products for free yeah. or they were just charging like cost or something. They weren't trying to like, this was literally a charitable thing that they tried to do. This yep. was not like, Ooh, we'll pivot to make money. Like, which also technically would have been fine, would have been but fine. that's not like what was typically happening. It was, you know, they were literally trying to help
0: literally just trying to help. And then you get slapped with a $14,000 FDA fee. It's yeah. not a fine, it's not no. a tax. it's just because you did that, you owe us money
1: right that's an for that's some in arbitrary st- like fee com- thing about whatever what I, like it was some it was b s to be honest with you, it was some stupid thing so, yeah
0: complete b s to begin with, and i like if they had known if these companies had known ahead of time, you know if you go, hey, Mr. distillery, you can make hand sanitizer for the United States and and just whatever you can switch to hand sanitizer help everybody but if you decide to be a good person and help create hand sanitizer for the United States of America FDA is going to charge you $14,000 if you knew that ahead of time we would have had a hand sanitizer shortage
1: yeah i don't think cuz <laughs> these are not like this isn't bud light or like you know budweiser or something right like right. these are small like craft distilleries like think yes. of them like a small e-liquid company, you know what I mean? This was not like some huge conglomerate trying to do this.
0: Right, small businesses, small companies, and vape shops started, I mean not vape shops, but vape manufacturers Mm -hmm. started doing the exact same thing, switching their e-liquid lines for hand sanitizer lines, and they got slapped with the same $14,000. Well, it turns out that that's, that's not happening. This is not happening because of this particular reason article that kind of went viral uh, by by Jacob Greer, who I'm a fan, 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 fan Fan of Jacob Greer. He took it upon himself to write this article in Reason, uh, basically saying, what the hell, FDA? What the hell? Well, I'm not going to sit here and read this whole thing, but he did post a recent update about the reversal. So it is essentially... Jacob's yeah. story here that went viral and caused the FDA to go, ah, oh, okay, we'll we'll reverse that and not charge
1: Not even FDA, it was HHS, who's basically like FDA's daddy, right? So HHS (laughs) was like, wait, what? And they saw all this bad PR from Jacob's article, and they went over to FDA and they were like, smack! And they were like, you can't do that. (laughs) We're not, guys, we stopped them, they're not gonna do it, this isn't happening, it's okay, you weren't allowed to do that, FDA, it's not happening, don't worry, we got rid of it. Like, daddy went. (laughs)
0: You know, I can't believe... Yeah.
1: I'm not condoning child abuse by any stance. But like... like, Guys, that was funny. HHS was like... They straight up said like, FDA doesn't even have the power to do this. We are not allowing this. They (laughs) cannot do this. We do that for vaping. But the
0: thing is... uh, You know, exactly, right? Hey, HHS. Hi. We're over Over here, here. guys. Uh, Over here. Now, so... The, the messed up thing about all of this, and I'm not going to spend much more time on this. Shout out to Jacob Greer. Uh, huge shout out to Jacob Greer for being a, an amazing human, an amazing writer. Uh, shout out to everybody that shared this and uh, eventually got this $14,000 fee reversed. But what kills me, absolutely kills me, is that if no one had noticed or no one had said anything and it didn't get on Jacob's radar and he didn't write this article for reason, they would have just gone through with this fda's like well if no one's going to stop us let's just take all this money they don't even hold themselves accountable or take a second to go should we right should we in the middle of a pandemic when mm-hmm. small businesses are already going under and there's mm-hmm. other small businesses that have pivoted and now they're selling hand
1: sanitizer to help
0: to help should we slap them with this 14000 bucks? And everyone went, yeah. Well, unless anybody stops us, right? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> they were just going to do it and not even say one word about it. Mm-mm. That is insane that your federal government <laughs> cares so little about your small business that, you know, short of this, like, viral article of, of, of you know, this article going viral, nothing would have stopped them nothing would have stopped them. And that's insane. And that irritates me to no end. So look, we'll add this to the list of reasons why we don't really like the Food and Drug Administration, why we don't really trust the Food and Drug Administration. I'll have a link uh, down in the description. Uh, Jim McDonald wrote about this for uh, for Vaping 360 He did a great job Jacob also has his in Reason magazine, and I'm going to link down in the description to both of these, um, so you can see how this whole thing kind of—it's crazy how this whole thing kind of unfolded. How in just a matter of like two days, it went from this fourteen thousand dollar fee to now we're 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 walking it back and we're not having the fee because of all this pushback.
1: It was fast.
0: It was fast, and it, yeah. it, it was fast, and it was like a little bit inspiring man
1: yeah like look look at the people look at what they did
0: yes look at the people making a change look what they did look what they changed and it changed i find that uh i find that really uh super inspiring and so hell yeah hell yeah i'll have links down in the description where you can read uh vaping with vaping 360 the jim mcdonald there you can read the jacob greer uh the reason foundation article and uh that's ju- that's just crazy. I couldn't can't believe the FDA was just going to try to squeak that by, and hope nobody would notice. Ugh. I know this is why Ugh.
1: we need journalists, you guys. I know we get angry at them a lot, but also this is part of the reason why yeah. we need them.
0: Well, I mean, this is a good example of why we need journalists. Yes, right. Right. like journalists that are journalists.
1: Right, <laughs> you know? I'm, not, I'm not making any corporate, <laughs> I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about journalism.
0: Journalism, yes, this is why we need journalism. Um. So moving on from that, there is actually, actually hang on, moving on from that, there was two comments that I wanted to read. Um, I think they were from last week. I, I just wanted to share them. Uh, one of them was about, Sweden and nicotine real quickly and another one was about mental health we talked a little bit about guns last week guns and mental health and someone actually had uh, some a pretty good comment there but I wanted to share this one about Sweden really quickly I don't know if we got any Swedish anybody in the Swedish here I think it's way too late for anybody from Sweden to be here but in Sweden uh, Fox left a comment here and said great vlog as always Uh, some sad news for Sweden in 2021 though In the beginning of January, 2021, the tax on Nick shots will be increased by 50, that's uh, Swedish kroner, will be increased by 50 Swedish kroner per shot on top of the 20 to 40 kroners per shot already. This will cause the Nick shot cost uh, from 70 to 90 kroner per shot, about seven to 10 bucks. So listen, when you buy a 60 mil bottle of e-liquid in Sweden with a Nick shot, it's the equivalent of 34 U.S. dollars. That seems crazy for a... That's high. Really high for a 60-mil bottle of 3-milligram nicotine. It's not even like they're taxing the NIC shot, but I feel like you're overtaxing that NIC shot because that NIC shot is going to get diluted... You know, I guess, you know, they don't look at it that way. They look at no. it as like, you're getting taxed for this product, whatever you do with that product afterwards, that that's oh, up to yeah. you. It seems ridiculous to me that uh, a pack of cigarettes in Sweden is about $6, US dollars, and a bottle of three milligram e-liquid is $34. In Sweden, of all places, I just found that really shocking. And it's not that I hold like Sweden on some European pedestal, but... They're not nicotine naive. They're, no, that's the
1: birthplace of snus. It's the birthplace like of
0: snus. Get they get it. They get nicotine. They get harm reduction. They know that they have some of the lowest smoking rates in the European Union because of things like Swedish snus and harm reduction. And I mean, it's crazy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I was really, I was really disheartened by that. So, shout out to my Swedish vapors. About 40 bucks. Yeah, it, it sucks. That.
1: Do you want to hear something crazy, though?
0: That's Yes, I do. Crazier so, than that?
1: Uh, yeah, crazier even than that. So I yeah. bought some DIY supplies mm. because I'm going to, you know, one of the flavors that I vape is becoming not, or the flavor that I vape is not so much available anymore. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm trying to get into DIY. And so I bought some, you know, my supplies, right? Yeah. And my nicotine. That I purchased. Yeah. Because I live in California, mm-hmm. I paid just in taxes. Just let me ca- just in a nicotine tax. Nicotine tax, not including sales tax. Thirty-five dollars just in tax, Whoa. and then plus sales tax. Whoa!
0: Whoa! That's yeah. I mean that's bananas. Yep. That's bananas. I hate this trend of let's make vaping harder to access and more expensive than the product <laughs> that is killing people. Uh, I, I I hate that. I hate this with every, every pat, every fiber of my being. Um, I had one more comment, uh, here, uh, talk a little bit about Mental health, and I thought this was just a really interesting comment building off of our conversation from last week, Um, but Mrs. Slacombe, she says, Danielle, I like that you said you needed, you intended no stigma to mental health issues. However, you were not stigmatizing simply by stating the truth. I have mental health issues, and I would never own a gun for that reason. I have bipolar type 2 disorder, and I know that I could never trust myself to use proper judgment in using a firearm if placed into a situation where I might feel the need to use it. I also realize that during my mood swings, I might be more inclined to use it when I shouldn't. There's no stigma in saying that the mentally ill should not have guns. Some of us realize we shouldn't. Others who are mentally ill and can't see that for themselves are probably the first ones who would be making claims of stigmatization. I just thought that was really interesting. You rarely see that. You rarely see someone say, oh, you're not stigmatizing it just by talking about it, just by talking about it and speaking the truth. And this person's very well aware of you know, their limitations and their ability and what they feel comfortable doing. I just really wanted to share that comment because it's so rare to see such a a self-aware person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's just really interesting. Just really interesting. So that was from last week. Now, there's still a lawsuit going on, Danielle Jones.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You aware of this? I had had completely forgotten about this lawsuit. It was 200% off my radar. I didn't know that it was still a thing literally until today, but Big Time Vapes. Where's my headline? Big Time Vapes Appeals FDA Lawsuit to the Supreme Court. We're going to read this. This comes from uh, Mr. Jim McDonald over there at Vaping 360, and uh, he says a Mississippi vape shop has petitioned U.S. Supreme Court to review its lawsuit against the FDA, which failed in two lower federal courts. The odds are stacked against the court granting this petition, but attorneys for the small businesses are hoping the unique legal basis of their challenge will catch the eye of conservative Supreme Court justices. Filed in 2019, the lawsuit by Mississippi Vape Shop and e-liquid manufacturer Big Time Vapes and trade organization, the United States Vaping Association, challenges the Tobacco Control Act itself. Wow. Ballsy. Dang, Mm -hmm. that's ballsy and a half. The Tobacco Control Act itself charging that Congress unconstitutionally ceded its legislative authority to the FDA when it gave the agency the power to deem products like vapes that were not specified in the original 2009 legislation. The challenge is based on the doctrine of non-delegation, which I was not familiar with until literally I read this article. (laughs) You know, I, it's, I, end up reading so much stuff that it takes me a really long time to read one article because there's so many words, I have things to look up words article. and like, it's not even that it's like, you have to look up things in the article and then you have to like, look at what those things mean in the context. Like
1: right.
0: it's a lot, it takes me a lot to like get through something it's and
1: research inception.
0: It is, it really is hardcore research inception. You're going down a rabbit hole and then two more rabbit holes open up. So like, shit, go down, you know, it's anyway. Mm-hmm. This challenge is based on the doctrine of non-delegation, which it will get explained, which states that Congress cannot give away its own legislative authority to executive agencies like the FDA. Oh, right. given a little bit too much power to just non-elected government officials. The doctrine, which is part of the principle of separation of powers in the Constitution, has been applied before by the high court, but not since 1930s. However, a recent Supreme Court decision, Gundy versus the United States, indicated that the court may now be willing to take a fresh look at non-delegation. This is a good word. This is a good buzzword to know right now. Mm -hmm. Conservatives who want to limit the authority of unelected bureaucrats believe that the current court... With the recent addition of Trump's appointed justices Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Comey Barrett, maybe shopping for a case that can be used to reassert the doctrine. Uh, there's a tweet from Gregory Connolly, which I'm not going to read the. I'm, no, I'm not going to read the thing. He just gives a little bit of insight on it. It says the original complaint was dismissed by the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Mississippi in December 2019 and failed on appeal in the Fifth Court Circuit of Appeal. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals last year. Big Time Vapes and the USVAA are represented uh, in their petition to the Supreme Court by Jared Wayne Navarre and Austin M. B. Watley of the Houston, Texas-based Navir Law Firm, the same firm that filed the original lawsuit and the appeal. This petition marks the first time the vaping industry has attempted to appeal a case to the nation's highest court. Taking it all the way to the top, Danielle mm-hmm. Jones. Mm-hmm. However, it remains a long shot that the case will be heard. To be accepted for review, four of the nine Supreme Court justices must agree on a, to grant a writ of certiorari.
1: <laughs> Some long Latin word.
0: Latin for to be made certain. S- I wrote down a, a phonetically spelled version of it.
1: <laughs> oh, look at your little heart. Yeah,
0: it says California on it. uh Sar- I believe I'm you. going with it. The I number- feel like it <laughs> is. close enough. The number of petitions accepted for review by the Supreme Court each year is small, only about 2 to 4% of those submitted. Uh, if the court does not accept the peti- petition, the lower court's decision will stand. Big Time Vapes petition was filed December 18th, 2020, and it could be several weeks before the petitioners know if the Supreme Court will grant sh- and accept the case. If the writ is granted, the vaping industry's petitioners, lawyers, and Department of Justice lawyers representing the FDA will each have time to file briefs and responses, followed by oral arguments in the court. A final decision is if the court even accepts the case could be a year or more away. Yep. And that's even just to get accepted to be, what is it? reheard, re re appealed essentially right. in the Supreme it's, this court. Is
1: basically a final appeal. Essentially you have to lose a lot to get up to the Supreme court.
0: Yeah. You have to lose a lot to get to the Supreme court. Um, so they say, unfortunately that the odds of this are, are pretty low are pretty slim but if this, I mean, stranger things have happened. If this gets. You're not wrong. I mean, if this gets to the Supreme Court and it gets heard and big time vapes actually wins this lawsuit, that changes literally everything.
1: Oh, yeah. Every that would,
0: aspect from top to bottom gets changed.
1: That would completely invalidate, like. All yeah, a hundred
0: percent of the regulations, a hundred percent of everything. All the
1: FDA stuff, PMTA stuff. Yes, like people would be scrambling. It would be crazy.
0: And honestly, I don't think it's that far off because look, I'm a I'm I'm a high school graduate. Period. That's it. No higher education. So j- using my brain to look at this, if the if the original smoking prevention, what is it called, Con- tobacco control act? Yeah was written in 2009 before the advent of vapor products and vapor products aren't included in it, then, I mean, that makes sense in my head that this sh- this shouldn't cover vapor well, products, right? Well, the problem right? is
1: they wrote a little note in there that says FDA can classify anything they want to as a tobacco product. Anything that's they the want problem. to. And that's what this is about. So... The, the crutch of this argument is that that section of the Tobacco Control Act that says, FDA, you have a free-for-all to call whatever you want a tobacco product. So they're basically saying you can decide to regulate anything as a tobacco right. product Eggplant, that you want to. apples. Right whatever i mean they you know ideally they wouldn't be ridiculous but maybe they are you mm-hmm. know what i mean but it gives them the ability to decide what they're going to regulate and that is what this lawsuit is about this lawsuit is saying that that ability to decide what does and does not fall under their jurisdiction is giving them way too much power that only congress yes. should decide this yes. goes under your purview and this go-. so they're arguing that if congress didn't say regulate electronic cigarettes, then the FDA should not be regulating electronic cigarettes.
0: Yeah, yes. And I think like, I don't feel like that's completely an unreasonable thing.
1: I don't feel like that's a super unreasonable S- argument either. To keep
0: that power with Congress makes sense to right. give that power away to unelected. Right. You know, bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know. We got a Supreme court. Uh, ah, ah. I wanted to get heard so bad. I do too. I at least just want it to get heard. What's up Stu yeah. Rep? I see you in the chat. Appreciate you being here, man. Yeah. I want it to get heard. Uh I guess we you know, we're going to try to follow this as best we can. Uh mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to follow, but uh you know, we know some people who know some people who write things down for websites. So we can try to usually get uh as best we can, but hell Look, this is still going. It might be a really blunt weapon, but every weapon in our arsenal, right? Using every weapon in our arsenal, Mm -hmm. no matter how blunt. This one appears to be a little bit blunt, but if the circumstances all line up, this could be a damn thing. And I would love to see this be a damn thing. I would love to see... It could be see... epic
1: if everything... You know, if they get, if the Supreme Court agrees to hear it, and then if they gave a favorable yeah. ruling, this then, would turn the world tipsy-turvy. Yeah, you know literally I mean, upside down. Of, yeah, it would be bananas.
0: Banana cakes. It would be literally upside down. And that alone... I mean, apart from, like, the cheering that would happen, you know, apart from the celebrating that would happen, um, it would just... God, it would feel so good. <laughs> it would just turn all of tobacco control upside down and people would be would be scrambling. Like it would just be enough just to see, just to see the tobacco control landscape after this happens and just see everybody freaking out and Stanton Glantz is freaking out and everybody's freaking out and all the tobacco controllers are freaking out. And, you know, God, it would be fun. Chaos. That's a glimmer, Breeze Tones. Exactly, right? That's a glimmer. Yo, yo, rising phoenix vapory. I don't know if any uh, super chats popped in. Were there any? Oh, there was two in there. I thought I saw one. Yeah, we got uh, Trey. That's very gracious of you. Glad to see you, Nick. Always looking forward to your streams. Always looking forward to you being at my streams, Trey Watt. Appreciate you. Fuck YouTube. Whoa. I wish the country was run by science, not politics. (laughs) Psyocracy. Look, I agree. The unfortunate part of it is... <sighs> scientists are bad communicators and they're bad at explaining things and they're bad oh, we're gonna get into at, this. Yeah. Right? This
1: is, is this a great segue. This or is a what?
0: great segue. They're bad at all of those things, and so I want a science based legislation, but we need we need scientists, we need people that can explain what the scientists are doing and it can explain these studies. We need journalists to write about and disseminate the information for the masses from the scientists. (laughs) I'm just not, I I know I'm just not used to it. I guess we're stealing that bit. Let's have a vape break.
1: Two, two bitches. (laughs) That's the train that runs by my house. If you guys never watched, that's
0: what she oh, said. Oh, that's a the train.
1: That's the train. It's not th- usually this loud during the day. Sorry. Do you know what uh, what the train's carrying at all? You know? Oh, people. Yeah. People. people.
0: Oh, human people mm-hmm. on the train. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, that's Caltrain. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: interesting. Oh, there you go. I think that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, don't remember where I was. Yeah, scientists. So I love scientists, and it's like when you look, if you just got a download of the National Youth Tobacco Survey, you wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't know what you're reading. You wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't be able to communicate this information to people. And I'm just saying you and like the royal you. I wouldn't know what to do with it. So we need people that are subject matter experts who can disseminate information. We need journalists. And then we we do, you know, as much as I'm a libertarian, we do need responsible, well-informed lawmakers and politicians to be able to craft the legislation that is based on science. It's it's a, it's a an ecosphere. We need more than just the scientists because... Right, yes. Just the scientists, we'd be talking in circles and nobody would understand anything and, you know...
1: And just like anything, you've got... You're going to have on any given topic some scientists that think this way yep. and they've got their data that says this and then you've got other scientists yep. who think... They've got data that says this Mm -hmm. I mean this is not always like yes there is like science is objective but it's also subjective yes it depends because science is based on people right people design the methodology people design the protocols people design the studies and those that there can be flaws there there can be flaws in interpreting the data there can be flaws in a lot of different places so science is good but you guys also have to understand that like Just saying like tobacco, you know, campaign for tobacco free kids thinks that they have science on their side, too. Right. Yeah. You have to understand now it's bad science. And we know that because we've looked into it. But, you know, everybody can claim they've got science. But like Nick said, you need, you know, competent subject matter experts to look at this and go, okay, I see what your results say. But there may have been a flaw here in your methodology. Mm -hmm. This part doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. So your science not exactly as high quality like the Cochrane people. Exactly, do, right? That's like, what I was just gonna that say. That kind of thing. That's
0: yeah. and that's why we need things like the Cochrane Library to do this meta-analysis to like weed out bad science, bad methodology, you know, flawed uh, methods and.
1: And design, study designs,
0: Yes, methods and study designs. And yeah, it's a huge, you know, and if we learned anything from You Don't Know Nicotine, it's that there's a, a you know, there's a huge like ego component to it too, where if you've thought one way your whole life to suddenly have that challenged, you don't necessarily suddenly willingly go, oh, okay, I'm on board with this new stuff. You dig in, people dig in. They dig in, they get set in their ways, and they get further entrenched in whatever previous right. you know, thought process or belief system or ideology that they had before. It's, it's a messy place, science is.
1: I mean, nobody wants to be wrong, right? Nobody no, likes nobody to be proven wrong. No. I mean, there's some people that do it better than others, right? Sure. But for the most part, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it's tricky. Like, it's tricky.
0: It is. It's tricky. And tricky and... Speaking of tricky, this whole thing is tricky. Uh, Before we even get into this, what we're going to do right now is talk about our our, our main topic that is the thumbnail, which is youth vaping trends. Uh, All we've been hearing about, I don't know, years now, right? Youth vaping epidemic, youth vaping Mm -hmm. epidemic, youth vaping epidemic. It started in 2016, youth vaping epidemic. Gateway. Gateway, gateway, Gateway. yeah, gateway effect. Oh, all these kids are going to become smokers. All these kids are going to become smokers. It's a gateway effect, you know. They throw up percentages uh, of percentages, which we've talked about here, and they you know they make those numbers seem a lot uh, a lot more intimidating when they are right. as far as percentages and what's the scale of this line graph? you know it looks really right. severe up and down, but when you scale it to realistic right. proportions, it's just these little dots down here that aren't doing
1: mm-hmm. much hmm
0: Use the scariest sounding language and then inflate that scary sounding language to just, whoa. And, and, you know, that's one of those things where if you're just a regular dude and I'm just vote, I'm Nick and I'm just a regular voter dude and I'm relying on experts to tell me things, not, you know, experts aren't always, you have.
1: They can have agendas. They can too. have they agendas can have too. Bias. Like,
0: like that's the hard part. They can have agendas. They can have bias. They not might not be a hundred percent, you know, uh, familiar with what's going on. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later as well. Science. Let's hydrate real quick. Yeah, feels good, man. So trends. Youth vaping trends. To deny that any youth are vaping is, I mean, wrong, uh, irresponsible, there there are youths vaping. I mean, no one's pretending that they're not. The questions that really we have for government organizations like the CDC is, how many, like, what is the real number? You can't just say epidemic or one in eight or 50% of teens that vape use flavors. That's not information. That's just scary numbers. 50% right. of teens who vape use flavors. All right, well, how many teens vape? Epidemic? Okay. Clear clear as crystal? Is right. Of course not. So before we jump into this, I just want to say I did only graduate high school. I am not a scientist nor a mathematician. I'm farthest from the mathematician that you can be. Whatever the opposite of a mathematician is, that's where I land on the, on the spectrum. Bad at it. Um, but this is... Trends. Listen to this exciting title: Trends in electronic cigarette use and conventional smoking, quantifying a possible diversion effect among U.S. adolescents. See, this is why scientists don't write headlines either, because that is a boring ass little headline right there.
1: Yeah. Also, what does that even? I yeah. mean, to the average person, what does that yeah. even mean?
0: Quantifiable as a possible diversion effect. Don't worry, the author of this, uh, Ariel has a Twitter thread that, that explains it. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing pretty good on time. I just want to leave enough time for that Fauci thing. That's, that's really all I'm concerned about. Got to get to that Fauci thing. You're a math surgeon jamming with Jesse? Are you really? I'm just kidding. I know you are. I don't even need to ask you that. So, trends in electronic cigarette use and conventional smoking quantifying a possible diversion effect among U.S. adolescents. What does that really mean? What does this really mean? What they're looking at is the off-ramp versus on-ramp argument, the diversion versus catalyst, the gateway versus exit. Mm -hmm. This is what they're looking at. When they mean diversion, they mean the off-ramp terminology, an off-ramp for adult smokers to get off of combustion. (sighs) The impact of electronic cigarettes – I'm just going to say e-cigs from here forward because I don't like saying electronic cigarettes. And I don't even really like saying e-cigs. It's just easier when you see an E to say e-cigs than vape. It messes with my brain otherwise. The impact of e-cigs on nicotine use is hotly debated. Some fear that e-cigs are a catalyst to conventional smoking, while others argue they divert adolescents from the more harmful product – This study used simulation modeling to evaluate the plausibility of catalyst and diversion hypotheses against real world data. So essentially what they did is now I'm not going to sit and read this whole thing. I'll have it linked down below in the description. You can download the full PDF and attempt to read it Um, if you want to but I would suggest that you don't do that. Just go to the Twitter thread and and read her explanation for it. So essentially what they did, and I'm gonna paraphrase this, they looked at the National Youth Tobacco Survey. This is the survey that CDC does literally every year. Literally every year. What they did is they looked at 19 years of it. That's a huge data set. That is a huge amount of data and information. Adolescents aged 12 to 17 years old in the National Youth Tobacco Survey, a cross-sectional study from 2000 to 2019, uh, 12,000 to 31,000 per wave. They looked at exclusive cigarette use, exclusive e-cigarette use, and dual use of both products. They were defined using cumulative lifetime criteria. So this was the 100 cigarettes or more and or less than 100 days vaped. And even just adding that Little tweak to it is probably going to change the outcome exponentially. Considering that CDC only asks what prior prior thirty day use once in the last thirty days. If you vaped once in the last thirty days, they mark you down as a current user. Right. That's the that's the official your current user. Yep. This is already a bigger deep dive than that. Already a bigger deep dive than that. And the author of this, you guys, good evening to you, Red Vape and Advocates. Just talking about some science. Welcome. Thankfully, the author of this has a real great Twitter thread, and we're just going to read through it, and uh, there's pictures and graphs and everything, so I promise it's not just me talking. How do, and this is from Ariel Celia?
1: Uh, that's what I would guess
0: that sounds right. Ariel Celia. and I can already guess, like even just looking at Arielle's Twitter profile, you can kind of guess why this has not been picked up by any media outlets anywhere. and it's because she she does she consults for Jewel. she's a tobacco mm-hmm. harm reduction consultant for Jewel, and so that one little word, right? J-U-U-L. It just, yeah. there's a stigma to it. There's like this connotation of shadiness. Industry funded. Yeah, industry yeah. funded shadiness. This is like, you know, this is basically big tobacco science. But that's, And she
1: addresses that at the end of her Twitter thread. She's very upfront yeah, about it. Yeah, she's
0: very straight up upfront about it. And look, I, I, I agree with her. I believe her. I like Ariel Celia. And let's read her Twitter thread. You guys hanging in there okay? Everybody good?
1: You awake in the back? Everybody
0: awake in the back? You need to stand up and stretch before we go into the next big... Uh, okay. How do e-cigarettes affect cigarette smoking among youth? My paper with Flo Foxen.
1: Another person.
0: Simulates each scenario and finds out which one best matches actual trends. And there was a little poll attached to this uh as well where it seems like the majority of everybody voted that it was a diversion off of tobacco. E-cigarettes right. are not a gateway, they're a diversion off tobacco. A few people said no effect, which I find uh which I find really very interesting. So let's just jump into this thread. First, let's talk about why this question is so difficult to answer. Counterfactuals. We can't know The alternate reality answers, like which smokers would have never started in a world without e cigs, and which non smokers would now be smoking without e cigs as an option. That is brilliant. We can't know alternate reality answers. That's just not even a possible thing. So, the best thing we can do is use fancy, sophisticated methodologies to estimate what would have happened to youth smoking rates in the absence of e cigs. In our case, Simulation modeling. Yeah. Simulation modeling uh, is a thing. This is one of those things where it's like, all right, now I got I to gotta learn about what simulation modeling is, mm-hmm. how it gets used, what they use it for. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, it's all kinds truly not. Yeah, they use it for loads of stuff. It's really And it's really very helpful. Um, so first, she says, uh, we look at the declining smoking trends that were already happening before e-cigarettes were a thing. I'll show you this graphic right here. Uh, We are already, oh, come on, Twitter. Okay. First, we look at the declining smoking trends that were already happening before e-cigs came onto the scene. That line right there down the middle, that's 2010. That kind of represents the quote unquote beginning of e-cigs, the beginning of vaping. We project them into the present. This is our best case, base case scenario about what smoking trends would be if e-cigs were never invented. Actual trends were lower than this base case. So you can see the actual trend right here, hyper low, crazy drop off, right? Like 2011, right after vaping, boom, down. And this is nicotine use, correct? Danielle I believe
1: Jones?
0: this is smoking. This is smoking. Okay, yes.
1: It says smoking trends, yeah.
0: Smoking trends. This is so the cigarette trend. Probably
1: cigarettes specifically because you can smoke pipe and hookah. Cigarette specifically, I would imagine.
0: C- cigarettes specifically. So it was already on a little bit of a downward trend there. But yeah. as we can see and as we've seen, I mean, Danielle, you've put together charts based on... Basically, I did one very similar to yeah. this that
1: was like the trend before mm-hmm. the trend after. And yep. it gets very Clive Bates, I got a lot of the information from him. He's done the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's very and I saw this and I instantly thought, oh, I've seen this graph before. I've seen that graph. Danielle Jones made that same exact graph like a year uh-huh. ago. <laughs> I've seen that. Yep. So Side note about terminology. She says, we use the term catalyst instead of gateway because catalyst is more precise about the claim we are modeling that e-cigs are used first, then casually lead to smoking. That's the catalyst term. Whereas gateway can include other mechanisms like renormalization. No, It's a terminology thing, right? Right. And personally, I like the term catalyst more than I like the term gateway. And I'm going to start using it because it makes me sound smarter, like Ariel. <laughs> um, she goes on to say, starting from the base case scenario, we switch on a catalyst effect where e users also start smoking. We assume a worst case scenario where all dual users have gotten there because of a catalyst effect. So basically what she's modeling here, what's modeled here is this is... If everybody was right and the introduction of vaping and e-cigarettes led to more people smoking, if the gateway effect were real, if the catalyst was real, then this dotted swoopy line would be where consumption is going. If they're real, if they're right, then this is where smokers should be headed. This is where youths along this dotted line should be headed as opposed to The actual data now this graph oh shit let me get this off of here what am i doing go away trends this graph represents all nicotine use so this is cigarettes e-cigs and both this is everything included right that's why we have that big spike at the end between 2017 and 2019 is the uptake i'm assuming right of vaping yeah right there We assume worst case scenario where all dual users have gotten there because of this catalyst effect. This further over predicts actual trends. And the more that you dig into the National Youth Tobacco Survey stuff and data, you wonder how did they ever come to the conclusion of a youth vaping epidemic? How did those words even come out of Scott Gottlieb's mouth, knowing what we know about the National Youth Tobacco Survey data now?
1: well we know it was from a focus group they focus grouped the word epidemic and they were like what's scarier what's that's literally we have data on this we, there's there was a presentation that. that somebody it's a focus group that's how they picked that word
0: epidemic because that was mm-hmm. the most you Effective. know scary sounding yeah, word the most exactly. effectively scary sounding word yep. was epidemic mm-hmm. fantastic fantastic scott Gottlieb. so Based on these two previous charts, the gateway theory doesn't fit reality at the population level. Then, starting again from the base case scenario, we switch on a diversion effect where e users are prevented from ever becoming smokers. It says this is closer to the actual trends, but still overpredicts, meaning a stronger diversion effect is needed to explain reality. Now this is, this looks really similar to the other one. Looks really very similar to the other one. Diversion effect, so this is if e users are prevented from ever becoming smokers. I don't understand. Diversion model is closer, but still overpredicts nicotine users, meaning stronger diversion is needed to explain reality. Yes, because that's not what the trend did. So even on this model, that doesn't accurately it still describe. Doesn't match, right. It still doesn't match. It still doesn't right. accurately describe like what's going on in the real world. Right. So, we optimized the simulation model to find how large a diversion effect would have to be to match real world trends. Exponential decay constant, here you go. Exponential decay constant of 55.4% of e-cig users a year are prevented from ever smoking constant of 55.4 of e-cig users a year are prevented from ever smoking Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how many times do i have to read this before it clicks in
1: it's a little it's confusing
0: this is so this is basically the idea that vapors aren't going to vape forever
1: right that's how it was explained to me i texted a couple phd friends and this is real deep math Mm -hmm. that we don't a hundred percent need to understand this part to understand the fullness of the study. Yes. But it's basically a decay constant is basically how many people will fall off and like stop using it over time. Sure. Is my understanding.
0: Right. I get that. Yes. And, and really I think the big takeaway from this is how tremendously they had to fuck with the model to get the model to actually match real world conditions like what did it take to actually you know to get to get to where we are right now how how did they they you know they had to fudge the model so much to make it fit real life what is exponential decay constant it is related to the concept of half-life yes of ISIC users is assumed to decay exponentially if left alone. Okay, a standard modeling assumption 55.4 describes how fast this decline occurs. Higher means more ISIC users prevented from smoking. So a higher number is better in this decay constant scenario. Right. Which really we don't even have to understand. All you really again need to take away is how badly they had to fudge with the model to get it to fit real life trends. Finally, we switched on both effects, figuring that e-cigs may act as a catalyst for some and a diversion for others. Even in the presence of an opposing catalyst effect, a net diversion effect is necessary to explain actual trends. Here's the actual trend again, and this is how they had to fudge it so that it matched the actual data. Even in the presence of an opposing catalyst effect, a net diversion effect is necessary to explain that actual trend. How did it get so, so low? She goes on to say, altogether, real data are much more consistent with a diversion effect, a rather strong one at that, than a null or catalyst gateway effect. So the conclusion that she's coming to is that the real data over the course of 20 years from the National Youth Tobacco Survey shows a consistent divergent effect rather than any catalyst gateway effect. In the simplest terms possible, that's everything that this study just said. She clarifies a little bit here at the end. This doesn't conclusively prove a diversion effect, but it does show that population level trends are much better explained by a net diversion effect and are wildly inconsistent with a net catalyst effect. And that's basically a sciencey way of saying it makes more sense that smokers are quitting with vaping than nicotine-naive users picking up vaping and moving to cigarettes. Right in the gateway she's effect. not
1: saying she can prove this cause and effect but right. she's saying this scenario matches the actual data yes. way better than what the ants are claiming basically
0: yeah way better than the catalyst effect and then she has a disclosure uh, i now work for piney associates a uh, piney associates which consults for jewel labs on tobacco harm reduction however this study was completed and submitted before these activities began in a purely academic position. In fact, my line of research is why I joined Piney. I think it's Penny. Penny.
1: I think it might be Penny. I don't know for sure. But Piney? I feel like it might be. Penny.
0: Piney just sounds so much more uh, like wholesome. You know, it's real Norman <laughs> Rockwell.
1: Piney. In my Piney. head, I've always said Penny Associates. Okay, maybe. maybe I don't know you're which right. is right.
0: Penny. Piney, Penny, because pine
1: would be P-I-N-E, right? Two ends. I feel oh, like oh,
0: two ends. You're right. That's right, like, like
1: tinny and tiny.
0: Like dessert and desert.
1: Oh wait, does that disprove my point then? I don't know. <laughs> you know what, you guys call it whatever you want.
0: Uh, we're gonna call it Piney. Piney Associates. So, uh, essentially, this is what she does. She works in tobacco harm reduction. She's a tobacco harm reduction. Consultant at Piney Associates. She does tobacco harm reduction consultant for Jewel, And this is their model of, I mean, again, not proving it because science you have to use a little bit more reasonable of terms and moderate of terms. You can say things like very likely, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. like absolutely empirically, but right. this is getting, you know, right on top of the pile of pro-vaping science that shows a lot of things that we've been hearing about vaping don't necessarily pan out when you're faced with the actual data. And the fact that she looked at 19 years of data, that is unbelievable to me. And she still came to that same what explains this real-world data oh right. it can only be that this is probably a diversion effect happening instead of an on-ramp effect happening right and that's kind of one of the things you know that's science is slow yeah it's not it's not a quick uh, it's not a quick thing it's it's studies on top of studies and then those studies get peer reviewed and dissected for their methodology and then those studies might need to be redone and different waves of different studies before they can even come to not even like a conclusion but like a theory that's backed up with facts. It's just a long, slow process. It is. Long, slow process, but after 19 years, thanks to the CDC diligently taking notes for us for 19 years, we can use their data and go, hey, but this, hey, but this. Mm Mm-hmm hey, but this, Ariel. So uh, thank you, Ariel. Celia, you don't know who I am, but thank you for uh, this study. I'm going to post a link down the description to where you can read the study. You can read this uh, Twitter thread. I would highly recommend it. In fact, I'm going to put in the description, I'm going to put a, an easier way to read it. I'm going to do a you know, thread reader. I'm going oh, yeah, yeah. thread reader in the description and in the chat. makes it so much more easier. It's like reading from a website. You don't have to deal with... Uh, Silly Twitterness and stuff like that, but uh, how are we doing on time? All right, we got some time for Fauci, you guys. We got some time for Fauci. So that was a lot of stuff I just threw at you guys, and I apologize, but it was—it's a bunch just because there's been, you know, a lot going on. I wanted to really wanted to talk about that fifteen thousand dollars. I wanted to talk about some things that were going on in Colorado as well. We'll get there eventually. At some point, I actually I might save. I might do this on the vlog, Danielle. But I thought this was interesting. Uh, uh, a uh, a realtor reached out to me because he said that in the realty world, they have been dealing with the idea of uh, vaping indoors. Okay. And if that will devalue your home. No. And apparently this is a question that he has been getting asked when showing homes is has anybody vaped or smoked in here? Do people vape in here? Did people vape in here? <sighs> and apparently that idea of someone vaping in a house before you buy it devalues the home.
1: That doesn't really follow science for nope. several reasons, Not even and I know little. exactly where that comes from. It comes from this Very bizarre concept of third hand smoke. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with like third and fourth hand smoke. Yep. It comes from that. The the thing is vapor isn't smoke. It reacts differently. Uh, Vapor can be cleaned off of things. Mm -hmm. Smoke like embeds itself in things. So my fast answer to that realtor would be no. As long as you clean the house, you will never know.
0: It's an interesting topic and he's got a whole like blog post about it with charts and everything. He did a a survey and asked people if you bought a house and uh, down the road you heard, you know, uh, the previous owners vaped or would you buy a house if you knew that the previous owners were vapors? Interesting survey results. I'm going to save it for the vlog because I want to get to the Fauci stuff, but I just thought that was... I thought that was fascinating. I there was a rule at my old apartment in Hollywood of no smoking, no vaping, no nothing anywhere. And I just vaped all over that apartment. I vaped on my patio, I vaped inside, I'd use my volcano on the patio, inside. Break the rules, damn the man. And apparently all
1: you have to do is clean. It's not, there's nothing. Yeah. You you'll get, get a, it's you'll not get even like that much VG residue. You'll get a little bit of like on windows and stuff. You'll get a little bit of a VG residue. Yeah. All you have to do is clean. That's yeah. it. Windex. Bye. It off.
0: Nope. Your home is permanently devalued now because you tried to quit smoking there. No. Permanently devalued. Uh, That's not real. Dimlit night in with a super chat. The voice of reason is drowned out by the cries of the mob. Politicians don't need to be accurate. They just need to plant the seeds of outrage. This is one thing I noticed, uh, and I'm not going to become one of these like, uh, you know, raging at the mainstream media because you know the mainstream media they get a lot of stuff wrong, but they do get a lot of stuff right, and I find it helpful sometimes when you know world events and things like this and the such as. But I noticed last night when we were watching CNN uh, while we were making dinner, they don't ever actually like answer anything. All, all they do on these 24-hour news channels is like pose questions constantly. Questions. Is this bad? Mm-hmm. Is this bad? Here's what mm-hmm. happened. Here's what happened. Here's mm-hmm. this person's opinion. Here's this person's opinion. We're not going to ever get to the bottom of it, but we're just going to keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's like they just want you to remember it without getting like any new information or any or conclusions knowledge. or knowledge or anything. It's just really bizarre. It was really bizarre sitting there listening to the news last night going, are they going to get to the point of any of Are this tell me they're gonna tell me, anything, gonna tell me anything no all right just want me to be scared all right cool so listen you guys i really appreciate you coming out i appreciate you being here british eyes you do not need to get uh you do not need to get bent other people definitely do but not you british eyes not you fibo all right we're gonna end this here uh tuesday bro tuesday i don't know if it's gonna take that long sorry tuesday bro news day Someday I'll get the name of my own show correct. Someday. That'll be a, that'll be a fun day. But we're going to end this here, Tuesday, Bro Newsday. Uh, last week, we went a little off track and started talking about guns and masks and things like that. Um, we're going to kind of circle a little bit around, and we're going to talk a little bit about masks, but the, the, the comparisons and the parallels that you can draw from this article to vaping are so, unbelievable. Yes unbelievable uh we're gonna read a few paragraphs here uh i would encourage you to uh just sit back enjoy the sounds of my soothing voice and listen to me try to stumble through reading this as a dyslexic person so this comes to us today from uh where's the fauci where's the fauci headline why did fauci move the herd immunity goalposts this is the question Scientists play a dangerous game when they tailor factual statements to promote policy goals. We're landing right back on the question that I asked at the beginning of this stream. Is it acceptable to distort the truth to get people to do what you want them to do? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say no before we read it. I'm going to say no. I don't think it's acceptable to distort the truth to get people to do what you want them to do. That's just where I'm landing. Late last week, I think
1: week. that's kind of called lying. I think it is. It, it or manipulation at the manipulation. minimum. Manipulation. It seems like
0: that's all we get, though, is distorted truth. You know that that targeted messaging that we get. You know, it's never like the truth. Truth. It's like a version of the truth. Right. So late last week, Fauci told the New York Times that new science had changed his mind on the herd immunity threshold. But he also admitted that his statements were influenced in part by his gut feeling that the country is finally ready to hear what he thinks. Specifically, the fraction of people who would need immunity to SARS-CoV-2. I'm having a real hard time reading today. It's my dyslexia. Whenever my dyslexia is challenging to me, I think of Keanu Reeves because Keanu Reeves is dyslexic and he became John Wick, damn it. So if he can become John Wick, I can read this article. You can. I can. I'm going to. (sighs) Specifically, the fraction of people who would need immunity to SARS-CoV-2 either through vaccination or recovery from prior infection to extinguish the spread of the virus was initially estimated to be 60% to 70%. In recent weeks, Fauci had raised the percentage from 70 to 75%, then from 75 to 80, 85%. Allow me to quote verbatim from an article titled, How Much Herd Immunity Is Enough? This is Fauci speaking here. When polls said, only about half of all Americans would take the vaccine. I was saying herd immunity would take 70 to 75%. Then when newer surveys said 60% or more would take it, I thought I can nudge this up a bit. So I went to 80, 85 Of course, the herd immunity threshold is just an estimate, and the precise figure is contingent on population mixing and a host of other assumptions that may vary from location to location. The same threshold may be different in Rome than in Montana. For these reasons, Fauci has some wiggle room. But the two undeniable admissions in the Times article are, one, Fauci is, to some degree, basing his statements on what he thinks the public will accept and to what degree his rhetoric might help vaccination efforts. And two, this is the absolutely stunning part. He is admitting this openly to a reporter from the New York Times. This is not the first instance when Fauci made a public statement while considering, in part, what he believed people would do with the information. The first instance concerns masks and occurred during an interview on 60 minutes in March, because these comments have been subject to controversy. They are more nuanced than I commonly reported. I will reproduce them in their entirety. I personally have transcribed, not me personally, author of this article personally transcribed them from a video, which runs for one minute and 27 seconds. The interviewer asks, There's a lot of confusion among young people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? Fauci says the masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China or in South Korea, whatever, and everyone is wearing a mask right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. Interviewer, are you sure of it? because people are really listening closely to this. Fauci, right now people should not be. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. Interview says, and you can get some sort of schmutz (laughs) sort of staying inside there. Fauci says, of course, of course, but when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. The people who, when you look at the films of foreign countries and you see 85% of the people wearing masks, that's fine. I'm not against it. If that's what you want to do, that's fine, interviewer said, but it can lead to a shortage of masks. Fauci, Exactly. That's the point. It can lead to a shortage of masks for the people who really need it. I remember this. Does everybody remember this? Man, this caused some controversy. Mm -hmm. And Jerome Adams, if I'm not mistaken, he did the same thing. Yep. Yep. He did the same thing. He said, masks, don't wear masks. When really, all they were doing, the only reason they were saying that was to save it for the people who needed it. They were worried about a shortage. Is it acceptable to distort the truth to get people to do what you want them to do? Is it? Later, of course, the public messaging would shift in support of universal cloth masks. This occurred in the abstinence of any substantive new mask studies. Critics would then point to this video as evidence that Fauci was dishonest. However, a full look at the remarks suggests the comments were nuanced. While he advised against community use, he later stressed he felt it was fine. Fauci would later clarify that his words were chosen to prevent a run on masks so that healthcare workers would get first priority. But some have used this interview to question his veracity. Irrespective, is that a word, Danielle? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is it? It's not mm-hmm. like irregardless. No, okay. it's not like you're regardless. <laughs> Irrespective of your feelings in these specific cases, the core tension in both examples is whether we want scientific advisors and public health experts to report just the facts as they see them, or do we want them to make additional calculations? The additional. the additional, thanks. Or do we want them to make the additional calculation of what the public would do with those facts and use that to shape their comments aiming to maximize the greater good? Is it okay to lie (laughs) in order to get people, in order for like your own good? And I see where Fauci is like this your own good type of thing. I believe that in 2020 scientists and public health experts can only report the complete unvarnished truth as they believe it to be. We cannot and must not attempt to distort our ideas in an effort to generate responses we think might occur. I think that right there really, really relates to vaping. We can't attempt Mm -hmm. to distort our ideas in an effort to generate a response. We think might occur, right? This is when people go over the top with, science and people go over the top with with certain things and you need to be a little bit more calculated in your responses i hold this position for four reasons number one i i also but this is the author talking yes (laughs) the information gap no longer exists jake scrapwood Experts are not inherently smarter, more analytical, or logical than members of the lay public. Perhaps in the past, they preferentially had access to certain types of insider information. In the modern world, due to the internet, this information gap no longer exists. This dramatically changes the game. An expert cannot distort the message to the public because too many in the public can directly interrogate the source material. Didn't we just do that with the National Youth Tobacco Survey? We did. We did. In this case, that means models estimating herd immunity thresholds or the data underlying community mask use, drawing their own conclusions. If an expert seeks to distort their view of the science to further a behavioral change amongst the public, the risk of detection is high, at least by some in the public. As such, it runs the risk of immediate backlash and the ensuing loss of credibility. Now, in a perfect world- That applies
1: directly to tobacco control.
0: Directly to tobacco control, like laser focused on tobacco control, because in a perfect world, there would have been an overwhelming amount of backlash against the American Heart Association for the things that they've said about vaping, because like this article says, we have access to that data. We have access to that science. We can look at it. We can, as he puts it, interrogate the source material and make sure that what's being reported is what the source material actually says. Right. American Heart Association needs to lose some credibility. The American Lung Association really needs to lose some credibility. The World Health Organization, this isn't tinfoil stuff. They definitely deserve to lose some credibility. Number two. How you guys doing? It's not an easy game to play. Human beings are masterfully complex and not easily predictable. In this case, Fauci's messaging in March may have been intended to prevent a run on masks, but it also may, to some degree, have contributed to masks becoming one of the most polarized issues of 2020 and in many quarters fostered a deep suspicion and distrust of Fauci. Admitting openly that you are selectively presenting your view of the herd immunity threshold based on your reading of what the public is ready to hear and the way in which that percentage might affect vaccine uptake is bold and unprecedented statement (laughs) is a bold and unprecedented statement. I'm not a fortune teller, so I cannot imagine all the possible consequences, though I fear loss of trust. Loss of trust and promotion of conspiracy theories is one. The truth is that scientists are not trained to predict what people will do with varying pieces of information in an effort to optimize outcomes. If they were, scientists would be blessed with optimal personalities and professional relationships, rarely quarreling with bosses, colleagues, or partners. Of course, that's not the case. Scientists, like everyone else, have difficulty knowing what you will do or say if you hear one thing versus the other. As such, the safest path is always and only present is to always and only present the truth as closest to the real views in your heart and mind. I got two more here, you guys. I hope you're hanging in there. I hope you're doing good. This is good stuff. Some good shit. This nice. is some really good shit. Number three, loss of trust is incalculable. Once it is revealed that any individual has presented information selectively to get the listener to change their behavior, that person will forever be viewed through that lens, a calculating person. Is Fauci telling me this because the science supports it, because he believes it, or because he thinks hearing it might motivate a behavioral change on my part. Personally, I don't see a way back from this situation. The moment the public believes that you might be withholding, selectively presenting, or distorting information to get them to behave a certain way, they will immediately put your comments through the translator. He might be saying this because it's what he believes, but what if... But what if he is saying it in order to change my behavior? What might that look like? What does he want my behavior to be? And what would it be if he told me something else? If that's the case, what might his real feelings be? And so on, and so on. The moment you enter this state in a relationship, there is no path back. It's over. Trust is irrevocably broken. A new spokesperson is needed. And lastly, Distortion steals power from the people and gives it to the scientists. In a prior column, I argued, the author, in a prior column, the the author argued that follow the science is an incoherent message. That's because science can tell you what might happen in varying scenarios, but science cannot tell you what to value. Science is necessary for sound policy, but it is not sufficient. Human beings voicing their concerns and priorities in concert with scientific guidance is required to shape policy. And policy fundamentally belongs in the realm of politics and in the public square. This means, yeah, right? Slow clap after that. This means, we're going to come back to that. This means that scientists must not distort their view of a situation to get you to do the right thing because it robs you of your ability to decide what is the right and just and virtuous course. A scientist must always and only and indefatigably, indefatigably?
1: I'm not familiar with that That word sounds
0: made up. I think. That's a made up word. That's the only thing that makes sense. Um, A scientist must always and only and infatigably tell you the scientific truth as best they see and understand it. But we all, every last one of us who votes and participates in a society, we alone get to decide what the policy should be. As I stated at the outset... I have a profound respect for Fauci, for his career of service, and like many, I am a fan of his clear public speaking. Yet these two events force us to ask whether fact manipulation is acceptable. I believe it cannot be. The public will not trust us and should not trust us. People will put our statements through a reverse translator to try to deduce what we truly think. And it gives an unjustified power to scientists that belongs in the hands of the people. I can't control what others do, but I can control myself. If I tell you what I think, I can't promise I am correct. In fact, like all mortals, I am occasionally wrong. But I can promise you this. I can promise you that is, in fact, what I think. Period. Great! unbelievable really unbelievable really unbelievable really uh, follow the science is an incoherent message that's because science can't tell you what my, that's because science can tell you what can happen in varying scenarios but not, but science cannot tell you what to value that is right on science is necessary for sound policy but is not sufficient Human beings voicing their concerns and priorities in concert with scientific guidance is required to shape policy. And policy fundamentally belongs in the realm of politics and in the public square boosh. This is fantastic. I know, right, John Haymaker? Mic drop. He's not wrong. I've lost my trust in a lot of these once trusted, fine, upstanding organizations, and I, and you know, and I know there's a lot of vapors that share that same sort of sentiment. Like before vaping, you kind of thought of the American Heart Association, and they're like, it's a good group of people. They're mm-hmm. they're doing it right, and they care about my heart because my heart is an American heart, and you're the association of it. So of course you care about me. Of course you have my best interests in in, in mind. Yeah, high five, American Heart Association. Fast forward 10 years, start vaping in 2019, and here we are in 2021. And the American Heart Association is telling people that switching off of combustible tobacco cigarettes isn't quitting. That has ruined, shattered my trust in the American Heart Association, shattered my trust in the World Health Organization. World Health Organization telling people vaping doesn't help you quit smoking. What? They know it does trust. Once you lose public trust, you lose public trust. And I really hope that the people that deserve to lose public trust, lose public trust soon, as soon as Mm -hmm. possible, as soon as humanly possible. Uh, this is a fantastic piece. Uh, shout out to Danielle Jones for bringing this up. We're going to put it in the description of this video. I'm going to put it in the chat right here. Med page today. Yeah. Med page today. You want to go read it?
1: I think there might be a paywall sometimes. So if you have an issue, open it in an incognito window and you'll be able to
0: read it. Oh, pro tip from our far right fact checker or far right. Yeah. You just switch. Just (laughs) switch. You didn't know. You didn't know. You went from far left to far right just because I said so. So yeah. Wherever the wind blows. Wherever the wind blows. Whatever's easier. You know, it's just whatever's easier. I'm a fair, fair weather uh, politician. Whatever's easier. So yeah, you guys, I'll have links down in the description um, for literally everything that we, got, that we talked about today, the FDA, uh, the, you know, the hand sanitizer, the health and human services. I am also going to throw a link uh, for hope, hope for hope. We raised her 400 bucks so far, but I feel like we could do worlds better. And I saw that Addie Tooney was putting that in the chat. I appreciate that. Appreciate that.
1: Also, can we shout out the uh, ESIG Intelligence Survey?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I completely forgot about that. Damn it, E-c- You want to take it over?
1: ESIG Intelligence Survey. Do I have a yeah, link? So we, we I put I it in I your have... text messages. Yeah. Look there. I link. Um. So the Eastig Intelligence Survey, you guys. CASA helps uh, this organization do this survey every year and it's great data that gets shared with CASA where we can learn things about you know, what kind of flavors adult vapors like mm-hmm. uh, what kind of age groups trends basically things that we can use to talk to politicians so it's really 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 important that you participate in this survey if you have not already we talked about it um, I think in like November or December or something uh, it's still going on mm-hmm. so please please mm-hmm. um, fill it out any other vaping friends Fill it out, please, yeah. um, because we need all the data.
0: All the data we can get. The more data that this gets, the the better off we're going to be. A hundred percent, you know. And it's just like going through nineteen years of the National Youth Tobacco Survey data to to uncover this, uh you know, non-existent catalyst. Same thing. More data, better. Yep. Only going to get better results. Link is in the chat. Link will definitely be down in the description. And yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. I, I, I think I went through all my tabs. Let me make sure. I think all 30 Chrome tabs. Yeah. See, there, when there. oped op-ed, yeah. 30. Yeah. So many tabs. Out of control tabs. Out of control Sh- tabs. Should we,
1: like, pick some sort of controversial issue to get into right there at the end, like we did? Oh, like we did no, last time? Kidding. In the last I'm five
0: just, minutes? All right. I'm just uh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Immigration. Yeah. No, I'm
0: just kidding. Uh, sure. Uh, immigration no we can talk about how uh elon musk is richer than uh jeff bezos now
1: oh is that true it I just didn't...
0: happened it just like oh, wow. this month musk is like hi i'm a trillionaire now too eat shit what? bezos <laughs> which again <laughs> makes me go all right good for you but you know spread the love around you know <laughs> Be, be a philanthropist. Be a good, rich person. I'm sick of bad, rich people. We need more yeah. rich people like Bruce Wayne and like Thomas Wayne and Tony Stark and people that, you know, philanthropists. We yeah. don't need Bloomberg spending $160 million to try to ban flavored vaping. No. Ban flavored vaping. Man, that don't is think. going to be just a pockmark on his legacy, isn't it? I mean, I have to believe it will be. I have to believe it will be because science is going to win. Yeah, someday science is going to win. Someday there's going to be, you know, the lowest, I mean, very little combustible use. Everybody's going to be getting their clean nicotine from pharmaceutical grade vaporizers and nobody's going to be smoking and cancer rates are going to be, you know, gone. Like half the cancer rates gone in the world and people are going to look back and go, remember when Bloomberg spent $160 million to try to ban this? That has yeah. saved Remember literally billions Bloomberg
1: of people. Remember when Bloomberg thought stop and frisk was a good idea? Yeah. So it would be like that. It's yeah. Like, Remember and when then he'll have to apologize, <laughs> you know. Bloomberg's.
0: <laughs> Bloomberg's stop and frisk. The large soda ban. Yeah, right. Large soda ban when he was a Republican in uh, New York. Okay. I mean, I good times. Good times, you guys. Okay, so. Oh, he moved to number two after an 8% drop in stock yesterday. Oh, man. Anyway.
1: He had it for a second.
0: Yeah, he had it for a second. There's a I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link in the description, okay you guys? Secret link is going in the description. Just there's gonna be a link. It says secret link. Click it. It's awesome. It's it's about Jeff Bezos and it's, it's like porn. it's <laughs> it's porn. It's porn. It's porn.
1: This is an adult it's show.
0: It's this is an adult show. We do we do cater to adults here.
1: It's not porn. I mean, it might be, but
0: it's not. It might be, but it's not. It's definitely not porn. No, it's this really great website that is a visualization of how much money Jeff Bezos has.
1: Oh, no. And
0: it is shock. It is sobering. It is crazy oh. when you see, like, this dot represents $1,000. This, uh, this line represents how much money you'll make your entire life. And this green block that goes on for 18 pages is how much Jeff Bezos made this year. Oh my God. It's unreal. It's unreal. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up, you guys. Thank you so much for coming out for Tuesday, Bro Newsday. I appreciate you guys being here. I love seeing the Grim Army here. All my advocates. I'll see you guys on Twitter. I'll see you guys on Facebook. Having the discussion, discrediting the myth-making machine, and getting ourselves as educated and knowledgeable as we possibly can because I said it before, I'll say it again, the science just has to win. It has to and I mean, I can't speak for Danielle. I think I can speak for Danielle. when I say, we're going to do everything we can yep, to get that, can. to get that science over the finish line. Mm-hmm. We're going to do everything we can. So thank you so much, you guys for coming out. Uh, really very much appreciate it. I guess I get rid of this headline now from all of us here at the, uh, the TBN studios mm-hmm. in Burbank, California. <laughs> I don't know. It okay. sounded, it just sounded good. Sure, you know, I was like, I'll be you want. Studios in Burbank, California. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Appreciate you. Let's keep fighting the good fight. Continue to be excellent to each other, everybody. Okay? Peace out. Bye.